really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and many other things that rhyme with use. So once again, I'm very pleased to have one of my uh, favorite recurring guests here. And that is, of course, Craig from the Scottish Rugby Podcast, or as I've started calling him, uh, whether he knows it or not, uh, I've recently dubbed him the Craig Man, as in, I am the Craig Man, they are the Craig Man, John loves the Warriors, goo 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 <laughs> How are you doing? Craig? <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, doing great, my friend, doing, doing great. Just uh, <laughs> as we just discussed earlier, just finished work, so uh, I'm ready for a nice, uh, a nice, decent weekend this weekend. That's fantastic. And uh, you mm. and the whole family, are, you know, you've got to be over the, the COVID by now, I'm guessing? Yeah, doing great, thanks. We're all uh, all recovered fine and um, uh, back to strength and uh, yeah, not too bad at all. Thanks for asking. So last night I was scheduled to have a chat with Dallin Stanford, whose current job title is listed as the voice of the Free Jacks. Uh, but we had to reschedule because we had yet another power outage at Casa de Scrum here. Um, I was trying to work out how often that's happened because we had a, we lost power on Christmas Eve last December. And I think it's happened three or four times since then. And I finally came up with a theory. Maybe it's like, bring your kid to work day once a month for the, the power company. And it's like, Christopher, don't touch that switch. Christopher, I'm warning you. Don't touch, Christopher. <laughs> it's solid there, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Actually, I saw something. I think it was I was watching John Oliver one time. And he was, they were discussing the power grid in America and how it's, it's not really fully matched up to... You know, it's not one whole grid as such, and uh, it's it, it, it can be um, subject to shortages, and 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 you know we we are very lucky over here that we're all kind of linked up, so we're, it has to be something like a, a, a lightning storm or or a, a, a transformer breaking down or trees taking the lines down that will cause a, a power outage for us. So you mean you guys have you have electricity in Scotland now? Is that right? We have electricity in Scotland. Thank you very I much. We also. I assume you just put on your woolliest jumpers and kind of just rubbed against each other until the clock turned on or something. Well, currently the way the prices are going for our electricity and gas, um, there's a, it's a they're currently talking about a, um, uh, something like the your home bills going up between five hundred and six hundred pounds a year. Oh my gosh! Um, because they've lifted the cap that the government had given the power companies um, and the power companies can charge anything they want. So they were going to, they, they were going to go up anyway. And then all of a sudden we've obviously had the issues with Ukraine um, and the, uh, the power companies are using that as a very good excuse to charge us more. So it's going to be quite difficult. So we're all actually starting to wear more thicker jumpers and things like that because <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's her, you know, it's absolutely horrendous. Some of the horror stories that we're starting to hear about, um, families um really struggling it's going to be it's going to be a, a tough time for us wait so you're saying a, a company when the restraints are lifted would act sort of irresponsibly and start gouging people no way is that you wouldn't believe possible? it would you you know it's, you wouldn't believe these power companies that uh, apparently it's because that this is exactly what what the power costs but it's 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 it's, it's as usual they're making all these massive um 
um, all these massive uh, uh, profits, etc. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be one of those ones. I don't think it's going to be great for us at the moment. We're currently, you know, even th for example, just a um, a tank of gas is now costing us um, twenty pounds, twenty thirty pounds more. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, gas has almost person. doubled here in the last month in the the Putin war time. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting. Anyway, we'll try not to be that negative. You know? <laughs> there's a whole, uh, there's a whole still game episode where Winston figures out how to stop the power meter from turning, so he's free to use as much power as he wants. So it's a, it's a classic episode. Maybe there'll be a few of us. There'll be a few a of us starting to run lines to the, um, to the street lamps, um, <laughs> and we'll only have, only have power when it's dark. <laughs> well, uh, years ago, I had I moved to Providence, Rhode Island, to start a new job. And I only moved into my apartment the day before and hadn't had a chance to get electricity set up yet. So I was sort of in the process of moving in. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have a single outlet that works here and I need to get up in the morning. So I need a clock radio. And uh, so I ended up sort of running four extension cords from the outside of the house where for some reason there was a plug on the outside of the house that must have been from somebody else's property and I'm just praying that nobody unplugged it in the middle of the night for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a lot of impro improvising that day. I think uh, um, I used that same extension cord to then heat up coffee, I mean heat up water in a coffee maker, mix it with cold water and that was my shower. So it was a, it was a fun starting day. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Anyway, uh, that's obviously the, what we're here to talk about. So thanks very much. And I'll talk to you soon. No, uh, <laughs> I am wondering, um, can we quickly do, you know, quickly for us at least, uh, do a little bit of a postmortem on the Six Nations? It, it already, somehow it feels to me like it's just ancient history, but that might mm. be some sort of self-preservation, you know, instinctual thing kicking in. Uh, are, are you numb? How do you feel after the fact? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a difficult one. I think, I think, um, I think a lot of us, including the guys on the podcast, um, the Scottish Rugby podcast, I think we're all just a bit kind of, well, we're back to three years ago, we're back to four years ago, and we're back to the bad old days, of, of or, or we're just back to normal Scotland, normal service has resumed. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a shame, we, we're all hyped up, and I think we spoke before, and uh uh, and and we really thought that this was the time that Scotland were going to perform, and um, and they haven't, and and so and, and unfortunately, it's been the senior leaders within the team that haven't performed, and they're the mm -hmm. ones that drive drive the standards for the rest of the team. So yeah, it's been difficult. Um, so, uh, but luckily, I've got uh, well, we've got two things going on. We've got the you know um, the URC where our, our two well, especially my team, um, Edinburgh, are doing well. Well, and also um, uh, we've got the start of the uh, TikTok Women Six Nations now, which um, yep. is, uh, is is Scotland. The Scotland team looked to, looked to have um, got better, and 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 they're, they're, they're really showing some good skills. So yeah, hopefully yeah. The we'll uh, the, the podcast you, the podcast you guys put together all about the Women Six Nations it was really great. I thought the coverage was great, and it's funny because I, I I did watch the Scotland game that weekend and was. For me, it was super hard to watch just because they were, you know, it was such a beatdown. But mm. I felt completely different about it after hearing your analysis, and you know, I thought it was great that you were able to find really positive takeaways from it. Um, I mean, England are just kind of in a different class, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big the big issue we have at the moment is that England have you know thirty odd 
um, professional players. They they've been working on this for for you know the last eight years, um, and they are a, a, a strong women's team. Um, we are we now have some uh, professional players, but when we call them professional players, they're they're being paid a small amount of money. It's not a huge yeah. amount of money. They still. Um, and also, they're also being paid by their English clubs that they're playing for now, because a, a lot of them have gone to the the the, the Allianz um, Premiership 15. Mm. So, um, so, but what that does is, uh, in comparison to to our um, our male counterparts within the, um, the Scotland the Scotland Six Nations team, <laughs> the, as we said on the podcast earlier on, um, the girls the girls are. are they're building and building and building. So there's no, they are all in it together. They're all, um, they have to still fight for a, a fair bit of equality within um, within rugby as a whole. So they're all working together as a team to get better and better and better. Whereas with the with the male the, the male team, they they say they're working hard and, and, and wanting to get better and get to it because that's what they, they say at the end of every yeah. Every game, oh well, you know, we may have got beaten, but you know, we've been working hard and getting better and this, that, and the other. But they're not going forward. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's an exciting it's an exciting time for 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 women's rugby and rugby in general in Scotland. Well, you know, just as as a semi outsider, the in my level of perception, the sort of I don't know the the widespread. Um, awareness of men's rugby is kind of staying the same but the awareness of women's rugby is on a massive upswing I, I feel like I hear more about it all the time I feel like people are just taking it much more seriously just in the last year I would say yep. than ever before it really feels like it's on people the forefront of people's minds instead of an afterthought yeah very much so um you know we've we've in the in in the six nations sort of era or area um because we've um, got a fairly Big title sponsor um, in TikTok. Um, they have uh, allowed us to. Um, they're opening up the game to a lot more of the the youth of today, who are who are the ones that we want to come through and be brought through. Um, but also, it's it's opening the, the women's game up to a lot more people who have never watched it, have never thought about watching it, etc. So, yeah, it's it's going to be um, going to be really exciting. Um, and it's 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 building, building, building. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, speaking of senior leaders who underperformed, uh, I do have to ask, um, what do you think about the future of Stuart Hogg with his squad? Um, uh, we all we've already both talked about in our pods. You know, everything that went down with Edinburgh Gate after the Italy match. Um, Hoggy wasn't in the squad for Exeter this past weekend. His coach there hasn't given any signs of being his biggest fan in the first place. Is, is this the start of Hoggy sort of falling off a cliff here? Has his stock plummeted as far as it seems? Um, or am I just completely overreacting with this? Oh, it's, it's difficult. Um, I, I'm a, I've been very vocal on my disappointment. Um, you know, he's the one that we've talked about before. He's the one that should be leading standards within the team. Um, he shouldn't, uh, you know, but on the other side of things, we're seeing a few more reports coming out over the last couple of days saying that, you know, there, there can, there's been a little bit of um, ambiguity from what, what uh, Tooney has, has set out, what the, the SRU and the coaching team were expecting and what the, 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 the players 
Um, so there's a lot of people starting to defend Hoggy a little bit. Mm. Um, and, and also when he was phoned, telephoned by, by Gregor Townsend, um, they immediately came home, um, apart from one one player, um, and we can let you all guess who that player was. Um, so there's lots of lots of um, rumours and lots of talk going around. I think now we need to draw a line under it. The SRU wanted to draw a line under it and actually deal with it without it going to the public. Unfortunately, it was leaked out to the press the day before. So mm. we actually maybe we may have not known anything about it um, if it hadn't been leaked. So maybe we need to just put, draw a line under it. I don't think he can be captain again. I think he'll uh, he'll not be captain again. I think he needs to concentrate on his own game. Um, and it would be great to see him back to his old self and just playing as a 15. Um, but yeah. we'll see what happens. Because at the end of the day, he's such an exciting player to watch. But <clears throat> some of the, you know, so obviously in the game versus Ireland, we had another one of those, no, I'm not going to give this pass where I definitely should. I'm going to try to take it in myself and ended up walking away with no points out of that. And then there was a sort of a, a pretty big momentum shift after that. Yeah. It, do you think that that was a moment of, of Stuart Hogg saying, okay, I've been getting all this bad press all week. Let me show everyone I'm still here for them. I'm still this great player and just being a little too selfish in that way. Or uh, To me, it feels like the, the, that moment happens too fast for him to be thinking of it that way. And it was just a, just a mistake. You know, do, is there a larger picture that went into that particular play or? No, I, th- I think for, 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 you know, everyone that, everyone that watches it and everyone that, that's, that's commented on it, unfortunately for, for, for Hoggy, it's just, this has been his style of play for some time now. Yeah. Um, because especially when he became captain, um, it was almost like, look, I'm going to have to do this myself, even though he doesn't have to. Mm. Um, and so a lot of the time he's taking the ball into contact when he shouldn't be. He's, he's not passing the ball as much as we, we, you know, we keep saying he's running up a blind alley on a regular basis. He'll take the ball and then run at them um, and uh, run at the, the defences, but unfortunately he doesn't offload when he needs to. Um, I think it's just overplaying. And I think mm. it's just it's just a, a build-up of being captain, trying to lead the team on the field to show them that, look, I can do this, so, so can you. But unfortunately, the that mentality is Scotland are a better team now. They don't need that mentality. They don't mm. need the Sergio Parisi way of playing. Of, of You know, he basically led Italy for for many, many years and and... and Basically stopped the um, stopped Italy being scored on, or or as much as they maybe should have been, um, mm. because Parisi just kept them kept them running as as hard as he possibly could. So, I think Hoggy's kind of falling into that sort of captain label, um, and actually all of us just want him to return to his old ways of playing very very well. Forget about the captaincy, you know, rest after. The amount of rugby he has played, come back stronger and 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 return to the old days of hockey. You know, it reminds me of Boxer, the the, the horse from uh, Animal Farm. The, I can work harder. Just you know, always coming back. Yeah, to absolutely. <laughs> well, you need to look at you know, for example, if you if you if you if you equate it to the English game, if you look at Chris Ashton, for example. Okay. Chris Ashton has 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 come through, played for England, got a really bad reputation, has moved to many different clubs because he's never really either fitted in or he's had problems within the, the, the club setup. He got to a point where he was out of a job for three months um, and he, he's taken stock, taken some time, 
and now he's back into Leicester. He may not be being paid as much as he as he's used to being paid, but he's actually just back to. There's no more ash splash. He's just yeah. going there to score tries and wants to. Yeah, he just wants to enjoy his rugby, and I think I think that's where Hoggy is needing a little bit of a reset. You know, hit the reset mm. button. You know. Well, there was all this talk. Uh, uh, you know, people speculating that he was going to France and stuff, and then he made the talk much much worse by saying i am definitely committed to finishing out this contract which has like three months left in it or whatever yeah <laughs> um, it, it, so where you live you actually see you know things like articles in newspapers and periodicals about about rugby i don't have that here um okay have those rumors continued at all is there talk about you know wither now hoggy um, at the moment no um at the moment it's uh, all the the conversation about his um uh, where he will be next year have, have disappeared because everyone's busy talking about um, him going out for a few beers and and and, and his performance over the Six Nations. So uh, I think uh, once um, all of uh, the press and, and pundits like ourselves get get um, kind of fed up or have talked too much about um, the beer situation, etc., We'll return to that eventually. Um, yeah. But uh, as I say, he wasn't playing last weekend for Exeter, um, and Exeter are having a real up, up, up and down season at the moment. So, for sure, um, I don't know whether they've just decided to rest him, um, and we'll see if the, the if the team goes up. I, I admit um, that, uh, and they're playing this weekend, and I haven't even looked at any of the rosters. I don't know if he's in the twenty-three this I weekend. Haven't, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. So. You coach rugby. Can you tell us just briefly, like, who is it you coach and how does that work? Um, right. Uh, well, I, I, um, when, when you're a, a member of a, of a Scottish rugby club, usually you get leaned upon um, if you've played for a certain amount of time and then you're obviously your son or your daughter um, start want to start wanting to play rugby it's usually assumed if you've been a member of the rugby club and, and played for the rugby club oh. for a length of time, um, if your son or daughter want to start playing at primary three, which is the age of around seven, okay, um, it's usually you're given a bag of balls and a set of cones and said, well, you know, you're going to be, you know, if, if, it's, if you're going to be bringing your son or your daughter up to training, you may as well just coach them. Um, oh. and, you're given, and so you're given you're given a bag of balls. So yeah, coach. congratulations! You're the coach uh, along and along. And, and I started m with my son um, all those years ago with uh, with uh, uh, four other dads um, uh, coaching their sons. And the way our our rugby team, which is the Howard Fife, is our club, um, and uh, just in Cooper and Fife, just north of Edinburgh. Um, what the way we work is that we follow our kids all the way through. So we go through P3, P4, P5, P6, P7, and that's when it then goes to high school. Um, so they're about 13, 12, 13 when they go to high school. Um, and you then, um, you then continue S1, S2, S3. Um, and then when you get to S4, it becomes under 16s. And then, um, S5 and S6 is, becomes the under 18s. So they, oh. you've got two years with them. Um, and so I, I basically have gone through that, through that pathway with my son's team. Um, missed a couple of years when my son finished playing rugby uh, and I had something else to do, which I'll talk about in a second, not to bore you all. But um, And then uh, I've come back to the under 18s, um, the under 16s and then under 18s, and I'm currently coaching 
with the, the, that team uh, and the group of uh, coaches at the moment for that team. But I also, um, eight years ago, um, started the women's team at the Howard Fife. Um, oh, that, uh, it was the beginning of, the, of that team in general. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. we, my wife and I started the team and, uh, and, and we went from what they call a development league. So you, you build your team first and you, get, you try to get people involved, playing, uh, women playing rugby. And then um, you're uh, you then go into what the, you get the permission from the SRU to enter a league, which is the development league. Okay. Which basically you all you all arrive at a rugby club. All the teams arrive at a rugby club, and if you've got five players with you or you've got fifteen, we mash them all up and make sure everyone gets a game wow. and they get to play rugby. And then you go from there to you enter League Division Two. Um, which is a national league. Well, it was a national league at that time, but it's now um, a regional league, and you play all the teams that are, are, are around you, and then you gain promotion, which we did, and we went into National One. And when I left last year, um, the How Harlequins were at um, fourth place in National One, and they finished at fourth place in National One. And then they, if they gain promotion again, they go to the Premiership, which is wow. the top level. So uh, you must be yeah. really proud of that. That's that's pretty remarkable. Quite a quite a phenomenal group of um, women that I've been involved with. Um, uh, we've had a couple of uh, we've had four girls go through Scottish futures. Um, one girl who went off to Loughborough University and played for Loughborough Lightning and was on the pathway for England rugby, but she's wow. she's, she's uh, through injury has stopped that now. And also Nicola Howitt who now plays for Sail Sharks. She is. Uh, she also um, was capped by Scotland as well. Um, oh so, my gosh! Um, we've we've had a we've had some success. Although, don't get me wrong, Nick Howitt. She uh, we had a very small part with her. She she was one of a, one of the first girls that joined us when we first started, mm-hmm. and then she went to university and she went off to Edinburgh Uni. Um, and Edinburgh Uni are a very very strong university team and are very are are, are within Scotland's pathway. So she people girl women women and girls choose to go to edinburgh university just because of the rugby okay. setup as well um so nick went there so we've had a very small part in nicola's journey but nicola Kate used to come back and play for us now and then and play in the sevens tournaments and things like that for us as well so we're very proud wow. of that. yeah you must be so pleased about that that's really remarkable yeah, it's been it's been a great journey, and and Cordelia and I, my, my wife Cordelia and I, she she eventually started playing for the team as well, and um, she, uh, until she decided that uh, after an injury that she, she she needs to be she would rather just be a mum and a, and the team manager, mm. um, but um, yeah, really really proud of it all. We've we've worked really hard. Um, the the club have worked with us, and 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 uh, I've I've. I'm very lucky now to have left it in the hands of a younger and more diverse set of coaches, um, and they can um, they can move it further forward. And, uh, and 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 I'm happy to to step back. And then I've got another season with the under 18s next year, and then I will be done. <laughs> really? Okay. Do you feel like you uh, you get better at it every single year? You you have to you have a choice with coaching. You can you can. You can be at the sidelines and you can give your advice to the boys and you can stand there and put cones out and, and take them through their drills, etc. Or there are other coaches who will go through the the, the SRU, the Scottish Rugby have a, a very good coach development programme 
um, which is all free of charge. Um, wow. Uh, apart from some of the main qualifications that you do. Um, so they, they'll, they'll bring, you can go along to Murrayfield or they'll have regional events that you can go along and, and, and you know, for example, they've got one coming up. It's a, a, a it's like a, a, a big meeting at Murrayfield where we'll, we'll have coaching sessions with Gregor Townsend and wow. with defence coaches. Um, I remember I was down and got a, a, a scrummage session with um, the scrummage coach for Edinburgh, one, uh, Stevie Scott, um, a few wow. years ago. So you can develop yourself as you go along. And and I, I've, I'm a coach, what the old, they've just replaced the qualifications, but I'm a UK level two coach, which is, which is mid-level, the next one up. And uh, before the new coaching, the new coaching um, qualifications came out, um, Gregor Townsend was a UK level three coach um but now they've they've got an equivalent of an, a uk level four now which is which is what he's on um and so that's how you kind of judge yourself on your, your level of coaching so so you can you can either you can either push yourself and, and and invest in it or or you can just stand it not i'm not trying to detract from what the guys do but you, you can it's up to you how much input you want to put in how much work you want to put in so with that coach's hat on, and I don't want to make it the Stuart Hogg show or anything, but the, the problems we were just describing we've seen that have seemed to be becoming habits with Hoggy. Is there a, a, a stage or an age, you know, in somebody's playing career where they can't be coached anymore? Like they, they kind of, they're full? Like, is, is it still fixable? If you were Stuart, Stuart Hogg's next coach, would you feel like this is something I can help him fix? These are work onable things. Um, uh, it's difficult. Obviously, he'd have to be on board. He'd have to want to change, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's the big thing. We talk about coachability all the time. Um, is a player coachable? Um, what's the coachability of the player? And and if the player's open and 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 willing to learn, um, then you you have you have players who will who will act like sponges, and and you, you talk to them about something. Um, they'll ask a lot of questions and then they move on, they do it on the pitch and you, and you go, right, okay, that's fantastic. We also have players that, that, that you talk to them, they nod, they look like they're taking it in, they do, it, they do what you ask at training and then when they go onto the, onto the field, um, when they're playing, the, the, the sort of the, the rugby red mist just descends and they, and they go <laughs> off and do exactly the same thing as they've been doing all their, all their time and you're like, oh. You know, um, come on, you know, we've talked about that, we've done that in training. So the, the, the problem you have with Stuart Hogg is, and, and I, I think I was very down on him a few, a, a couple of weeks ago, and, I, and I'm worried that he's developed this, this sort of, he's, he's believing his own hype. Mm. Um, and people are telling him he's the best 15 in the world. And so he started to believe that. And mm. when they start to believe that, they then start to, the coach, whatever they're being, told by coaches starts to go in one ear and out the other and they think right. they can do it themselves. For me, my first, if I was, if I, I could never be Scotland coach, but if I was one of the coaches <laughs> for Scotland, the first thing I would do is drop them mm. and, and, and say, right, well, you're not too big, you know, you're not too big to sit on the sidelines. Um, and then, it, seems like, it seems like that would have been the move against Ireland. I feel like that would, would have been a perfect time. Well, this is why what what kind of what kind of what fall, falls into the ambiguity side of things, and this is where where I wonder, you know, mm. was the message not put across to them? Okay. As well, because the reason, from what we're being told, the reason he played was that he was there was a telephone call from from either 
McGregor or someone within the team saying, get your butt back here. Right. Um, you're not supposed to be out. And they came back. And the only person that didn't come back, didn't start on against Ireland, um, he was on the bench. So I think... So that was the message? That was the message. And I've got... So I, I, so you kind of have to think, well, maybe Hoggy has... has uh, maybe that group have, have, have made the decision to go out because they thought they could. Um, and then all of a sudden they've been just uh, hauled back in. And But I... It's a real. It, there's so much going on in Twitter. There's so much going on in in, yeah. in, um, in social media that you, I've you, seen almost diametrically opposed accounts of what actually happened that evening. Yeah, yeah. Until until Hoggy actually comes out and talks about it and says this is the issue, this is what happened, and we get the full story, then it's going to rumble on and rumble on. Um, and and it's a shame because he's he's been such a, a good. Um, player for Scotland he's, mm-hmm. he's now the try scoring record holder yep. you know the last thing we want is to he was even a, to, when he broke that record too he he basically immediately said oh that I'm not going to keep that record somebody else is going to have that record he was eating humble yeah. pie about it I thought that was pretty great well if you look at him when it whenever whenever we win um when the trophies are presented he's he, he always looks for the people that have either had their first cap or or their or their you know their the they always get the trophy and they're always in the pictures. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, he, he wouldn't be Scotland captain if he wasn't a good captain. The problem you have is that when you get to that point where you, you believe your own hype, then you think you can do what you want or, or you can get, maybe get away with things that maybe you shouldn't be getting away with. I just don't know. But um, I think there's more pressure on, on Gregor Townsend than there is on Hoggy now. Yeah, that, that's a great point. So do you suppose, is it that every single time there's a Six Nations match, do you think Finn Russell's dad is like, okay, got to make up the spare bed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. definitely. Start, start I, 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 up the car, honey. Yeah, absolutely. I think it seems to be, it seems to be, he, he puts, the, puts, a beer, puts the beers away and thinks, right, okay, I'm going to have to sit up tonight and just watch the TV <laughs> with, a, with a nice cup of tea and wait on them phoning me. Um, yeah. It's, you just that, drive straight to George Street and just kind of wait so he doesn't have the commute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it, don't get me wrong, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm a single guy or, or, a, or a guy on my own out in France, uh, you know, I would miss my parents. And if, the, and if, if things aren't going too great and I've had a fair skinful, um, I, to be honest, I think I would probably end up back in my hotel room. I, I don't know if I would for my mum and dad because I'd never live it down with them. But uh, um, it, it's an interesting one. I just don't, I, I honestly just don't know. Um, but, I just want to know what his room looks like too. Is like the teddy bear waiting for him on the bed when he gets there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the all the little trophies, um, you know, it's 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 made out as a as a Finn Russell shrine now for his mum and dad. It's got his Scotland shirts on the wall and everything, you know. <laughs> Participation trophies. Yeah, little little toy Lamborghinis sitting up in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I I, th- I feel like we've probably dwelled on it too much already. The, the speculation I was hearing, as you say, the talk seems to have gone away, but people seemed fairly sure that Stuart Hogg was going to go to France next year. On one hand, I feel like that could be exactly the kind of reset you're discussing and uh, that maybe that's exactly what he needs. On the other hand, that would be the worst for me because I can't watch the top 14 here and I would never see him again except for like those those five games a year for Six Nations. 
well, the, the thing is, the big the big question you have is, is is if you look at if you if you look at what Finn Russell's going through just now, um, he's played he played six nations, then a couple more games. He, they finished up in the in the European leagues um, with because they got into this semi final or final with with start uh, with um, uh, with Racing. Then it was out on the Lions tour. Then he was back. It was the autumn tests and top fourteen. Then it was. Uh, then he's back to um, the Six Nations. You know, he's not had any rest, and right. and no matter how much money that they are offering to pay you, you have to look at that and see is it worthwhile? Because Hoggy's already getting this sort of. We're already talking about Hoggy, Ali Price, Finn Russell, all being burnt out at the moment in time. Mm. Um, so is 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 a move to France a wise thing? You know. Yeah, it's my understanding that if you go to France, it'll be you'll live in a lovely place and you'll be in a really fun league and you get paid scads of money, but they really burn your candle at both ends. There, they they you know they're like, well, we're paying you now. You're going to be here no matter what, and uh, it sounds like a brutal league. Well, there's there's um, Chris Ashton again. He was being interviewed by um, by Jim Hamilton on Rugby Pass and. They, um, they were talking about he went over to Toulon, a big money move. He was going for three years, lived on the beachside, had a beautiful place with a pool, him and his wife, um, all set up, had a phenomenal um, season, broke the try record for, um, uh, for for the top 14 in a season. Wow. Um, but his, first of all, the owner of the team was a, is still a maniac, okay. an absolute crazy guy. Um, you, you know, you don't expect the owners to be talking to the, the players and, and telling them what he thinks of them. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what the coach's job is, but he's involved there. That's, also, a Jerry, that's a Jerry Jones with the Cowboys kind of thing. Absolutely. But the other thing is, these, you know, they're forced to be on a bus for nine hours to go north to, um, to, to play in Paris or wherever. They play their game, they get something to eat, they're back on the bus nine hours back and they're getting wow. home at three, four in the morning. So, you know, that's, he was just fed up of that. He couldn't, he couldn't deal with it. And, mm. and they do, you know, they do burn, burn um, the candle at both ends when you're playing out in France, but they get good money for it, you know? Yeah. It's also one of the, it's funny, the fact that it sounds like it's so difficult is one of the reasons I really long to be able to watch it as well. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I, we, we, um, we have that on, um, uh, uh, Premier Sports, who 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 uh, are a pay channel over here um, that, that cover the the URC. They also show the top fourteen matches, and uh, there's, a, there's a we all laugh about it because they're you know you come home at you come home you you watch a load of rugby on a Saturday night uh, on a Saturday during the day. You come you know you have a couple of beers, you, you have your dinner, and then about nine o'clock at night, on comes the French. <laughs> for some reason they play them at stupid times at night you know uh, but uh, yeah well i'm a super rugby fan and uh that's one of my, the best things about it is you're like oh yeah i wonder what, who's playing this way oh the highlanders just played at 2 a.m i can watch it right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> well over here with us because it because it, it's usually the morning a saturday morning we usually get the uh, uh we get the saturday their saturday afternoon games playing yeah. so we can be we can be up at eight o'clock in the morning having breakfast watching a <laughs> watching a super a super rugby game so it's pretty good so uh, i want to tie a quick bow on the on six nations uh i do want to end on a, a positive um if i could think of one thing that i can take away and think yeah this is a really good sign i really like this or whatever uh, you know ben white is a good start for me 
uh, I guess bo- both Ben's, Ben White and Ben Delacott, uh, those were two positive things for me. What, what's what's a, a positive takeaway for you? I think for me, it's um, it, it's the lack of drop-off um, with our, we've now got the ability to put a bench on that okay. we we know that we're not going to have a drop off in in, in, in level of play, um, or uh, we talk about it on the pod, and I I laugh about it about depth, but we've got a great amount of depth um, within. What was Scotland it you guys called the, the Bam Squad? Was it? The, yeah, the Bam Squad instead of the Bomb Squad. <laughs> um, but uh, but so it's pretty good that way. But I think also um, Rory Darge has uh, has emerged on the yeah. on the international scene and, and has really made his mark. Uh, and we seem to be in a situation now where playing two sevens isn't looking as bad as as people worry about it. You know, it looks mm. like it's going to be a good thing for us. So, uh, uh, and I think also Matt Fagerson, had, although he's injured at the moment, he has cemented the number eight shirt on his back. I think. Uh, where's <clears throat> Where's Jamie Ritchie with his uh, his injury? When are we going to see him playing again? Um, it'll be start of the season next season. Oh wow! Uh, he's he's um, they they reckon he's uh, he they I, I he may make the um, the summer tour. That's um, that was my question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but from what I know, it was he was looking forward to a, a full preseason with Edinburgh, and I think that's what he's what he's aiming for at the moment. Oh damn! It's a long time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if we can get over to the URC a bit, um, so. It's a brand new competition in terms of branding this year. Um, as you well know, it's 18 rounds total among 16 teams. Um, we're somewhere between the 13th and 15th round, depending on which team you're talking about. Um, obviously right now, Leinster and Ulster, not surprising, 55 and 50 points to lead the league. Um, and then followed by Munster, all three of those teams look really strong, but then, You've got that Gordian knot. You've got both Scottish teams right in a row. Glasgow are leading Edinburgh, but only by two points. And mm. when you're looking at the table, it looks like that difference might be down to the draw that Edinburgh had uh, one game this year. That must have been painful. Uh, do you do you recollect recollect that draw? And you know, do you think that's the difference this year? Yeah, um, I think um, I think we, if I remember correctly, I'll have to think back what game it was, but we had the, I have it on my, uh, on my URC app here, um, but um, I should know this, it's terrible. What sort of uh, Edinburgh fan am I here? <laughs> it's not we, like you um, go to the games or, oh. Wait. It's not like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah, um, but uh, I'll, I'll come to it anyway, but the draw, the, the draw we had, um, I think we were lucky to get the draw. If I remember correctly, um, and it was a lot of free flowing rugby, and I think Edinburgh were finding their feet. Um, so for for us, again, we can we can rest a little bit back and say, well, we're actually we're not that we're resting on our laurels, but we're we are finding a new Edinburgh at the moment, and Mike Blair is taking his time. So we can give him that time as long as because all of the sh- all of the green shoots that he seems to be giving us um, are positive. So um, I, I think I think yes, the we always like to be above Glasgow, um, but Glasgow have been uh, they've they've had a better run with some of the games, but they've also played very very well against. The teams that we haven't played well against so it's huh. it's almost to the point of 
yeah, they can they can we can give Glasgow their place at this moment in time, but currently they're <laughs> they're um they're in destruction destruction mode at this moment in time. So I suppose we'll we'll see if we can we can pick up a few points and get and get past them. I, 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 did, I did find it, by the way. It was way back in round three. It was uh, Saturday, October 9th, when Edinburgh drew with the Stormers at the goddamn health stadium. That's it, yeah. And I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I was there because I, I, I wanted to go down. And that's the thing. I, I remember us going down because we were, we were um, disappointed because we, there was no, um, no Springboks with the Stormers because the Springboks were still playing at that time. Oh, right. Of course. Oh, wow. Wow, that seems much longer ago than it actually was interesting yeah yeah absolutely yeah so as i said you've got glasgow and edinburgh there's only two points separating them right underneath that you've got three south african teams just stacked up there nipping at those scottish heels the stormers we just mentioned are first or closest i guess i should say then the bulls and the sharks they're only five six and seven points off respectively and yeah. All three of those teams have played 13 rather than 14 matches that Glasgow and Edward both have. Yeah. Um, to, by the way, doesn't it seem like both the longest and the shortest season ever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, because if you look at, you know, it, well, that's us, for example, our, our domestic season is finishing now. Um, that's us starting to play sevens um, uh, and, and finishing off cup finals, etc. for the for the domestic rugby side. Is that how it works? Is it like seasonal? You go 15s until it gets nice out and then you go to sevens? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Um, so uh, so that's us. Um, that's So it, it does, you always think to yourself, if, if we start playing 15s games in April, the season's gone long. Um, and uh, and I think it, it does feel that way. I think we've been very unlucky again uh, going down the Edinburgh route. Um, we've been very unlucky to have these games in the in the middle of the um, the Six Nations window that were promised with the URC. That wasn't going to happen, right? Because of COVID and, and all these different things um, and and cancellations, um, we've had to play them. Um, so, for example, the the game, you know, the the dreaded eighteen seventy two. Um, yeah, round one of eighteen seventy two. Yeah, through in Glasgow. Eve of a Six Nations match, just silly. Yeah, yeah, it just seemed a little bit... It also, you know, for all the punters that were down playing, I'm sure the Glasgow fans um, didn't mind paying the money because they saw Glasgow win, but uh, for everyone that's, 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 that's paying their money, they want to go and see an 1872 Cup with all the internationalists playing, playing against each other, you know? Right. So, uh, so it was a shame, but those are the breaks. So if you look at the remaining schedule... Your team, they travel to South Africa this, this weekend. I got, when is that match? Probably tomorrow, I guess. That's they'll, tomorrow, they'll, yeah. Yeah, they'll be facing the Lions. Yeah. And then all three remaining fixtures are going to be at the goddamn Health Stadium, the nice little three-match homestand to finish off the stadium. And you'll be facing Zebre. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a, a very feisty Ulster team, obviously second in the league right now. And then yeah. end the season on the capper for the 1872 Cup against Glasgow. Um, where do you see those matches going? Do you think you're going to leapfrog them again? Um, where do you think Edinburgh is going to end this season? Um, I think we'll uh, I think we'll do well against obviously Zebra. I think we'll, we'll we'll hopefully take them apart. Will they get a um, win this year? Will Zebra get a win? Uh, hopefully this weekend against Glasgow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I really am not sure. It seems to be that all of the there's a talent drain from Zebra to Benetton. 
Mm. Um, and it, it seems, seems like it's almost as hard to go winless on a season as it is to go undefeated. Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. Um, so it'll be real interesting. One, you know, Zebri have, have got powerful forwards. The all the both Italian clubs have shown that the forwards have got. They, they, they can play a, a nice piece of set piece work they're set you know scrum they can line out very well they can tackle hard the problem they have is when their defense goes to sleep um yeah. or they or they tend to get tired they don't seem to be as uh, in as peak peak condition as as say a lot of the um a lot of the irish scottish and, and welsh clubs I was going to ask um, you, you know, as a coach, do you see fitness as a big problem for Zebra? Is that is what is their biggest hill that they're trying to get over right now? I think player a mixture of two things. I think because they've always been known as the as as Zebra last or Zebra nil. You know, players don't go there very often. Okay. Um, you know, the big players don't go there. They don't have a lot, so therefore they don't have a big gate. Um, gate receipts aren't aren't huge, so they don't have a lot of money, so they then don't attract the the better players. Um, they they've never really attracted the best coaches, so they don't have a massive pool to to pull from through the um, through the youth system, etc. So it's all kind of um, it, it it all seems they they scramble through and they get on okay, but they're usually last in the league every every year. Yeah. Whereas Benetton, for example, have changed around quite dramatically. They're bringing in some good players. They've they get you know the, the the crowds are getting bigger. They're performing better. They're bringing in play. You know they bring they seem to be developing a good academy. So it's an interesting one. Um, we'll wait and see. But well, the, the the whole like the salary structure in the URC is a complete mystery to me. Like, because uh, mm. of course here, you know, all the major league sports in the United States, it's an open book. You can look at what the salaries are. The agents use it as a tactic to sort of brag about what they're doing and what their players are doing and stuff like that. And yet, rugby has to seems to it's got to be a hangover from the, the amateur days or something where they're like, they still don't want to talk about money or don't want mm -hmm. to open the books to the public or something. Um, and I know there's some weirdness with like Ireland don't necessarily disclose as much about what they're doing. There might be a lot more money in Ireland than in Scotland, for instance, but right. they're not really required to talk about it. Every couple of years, somebody goes, Oh, there was a massive salary cap violation. And we go, what there was really, and they have to do, they have to investigate. I mean, if you're Zebre, could a new owner who's got deep, deep pockets change everything immediately? Could that, that person say, okay, I'm going to pay you an exorbitant amount of money. Let's get some big names here. Let's really make this a franchise that people want to come to. Or, you know, I, I just have no idea how those rules work. Yeah, they can. Um, the, there is a salary cap. Don't ask me what it is because I don't know. <laughs> um, they, what is it? It's, it <laughs> Thanks, um, and uh, I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure uh, I, I'd be lying if I, if I if I gave you a number. But the problem you have is that you know, for example, um, URC, World Rugby, Irish Rugby are all on separate floors of the same building in I've Dublin. I've heard this, <laughs> and the you look at, for example, That's very funny. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look at Irish, you look at, for example, Leinster, for example. Now, okay, fair enough. Every, Leinster's winning and they have a fantastic coaching setup. They have a fantastic academy. So 
we should we should stand back and say, well, well done, you, sure. you you're doing very very well there. But if you look at how the, you know, if you look at a Leinster team weekend in weekend out, it changes so dramatically over each game. It does. That, that I think that I think uh, there was a stat two years ago or three years ago when they when they won the European Cup. I think they said they used 68 players in a season. Wow. Oh my word. So if you think then, you know, how how can they afford to use these 68 players and have, for example, Sexton, um Ty Ty Furlong, etc all on their books and not play them very often. Mm. How, how, whereas, for example, if you look at Scotland, you know, you look at Edinburgh and you look at Glasgow, their international stars play probably 60 to 70% of the URC. Yeah. So how, how how can that work? And how, you know, there's no way that they're saying, oh, well, we're only paying our, you know, we're pay, you're paying, you, you're pay, Edinburgh are paying their players far too much then because we don't pay our players that much. Mm. It can't be, it can't be. You can't be having Johnny Sexton, who's who's been with with Leinster for most of his career, apart from Racing for a couple of years. You can't turn and say he's, he's happy, you know, he's at that level, he's not getting paid. Seven hundred and fifty thousand euros a, yeah. a year, you know. So it's, it's it really is a difficult one because the the laws are there, I'm sure, but the, but nobody knows them or nobody's has dug in dug into them and, and really got to the bottom of them. It's funny you were talking about much earlier. We were talking about um, the, the coaching system where you are and how they sort of hand you a bag of balls, and it just reminded me. So so my free jacks here in the U.S they have literally started that program this year where um, cause I, I was really lucky. I got to talk to a guy named Ollie Engelhart on this very pod. And I asked him that same question about, you know, is there an amount of money that would make the difference that would take major league rugby to the sort of NFL level? Is there a, a silver bullet of that type that you can just purchase? And he said, no, absolutely not. No amount of money will change anything because it's just not in the schools yet. It's, you yeah. don't you don't just see it at school and participate in high school and middle school and earlier, so they've started that very program where if you want to and you you think your school might be interested, you just send them an email. They'll send you a bag of rugby balls and then a couple of coaches and a couple of players will show up at your school and start yeah. this the very first training session. Um, I feel like that's going to make a, a big difference. Um, I'm not even sure where I was going with that, but <laughs> it reminded me earlier. Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think I think just as 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 you say with Zebri, if 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 someone came along with a with a big bag of money for Zebri and said, right, I'm going to you know here's 37 million euros, build yourself a team and let's go and win the URC, you probably will find that they will they'll, the money will last for a couple of years. They'll develop. They'll bring in these massive players. They'll do okay, but you may find that they don't. They don't win because you know, or they'll win. You know, they'll do what Connaught did, for example. Connaught won the URC, well, what, what, the, the Pro 14, and Scarlets were the same. Won the Pro the, the Pro 14 once, and then the next season they were down in the doldrums because they they spent the money, oh. and then the players 
the players that were playing incredibly well then transferred to other teams because they were get they were getting paid more money. Right, right. And 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 then you're back to square one again. So it's a it's a really difficult it's a really difficult situation that, that what, Connor O'Shea, um, who was a who was the Harlequins um, uh, director of rugby, he left Harlequins and went to Italy as Italy's head coach. But also he was he was like a director of rugby for Italy, and he's put some some things into place um, that developed the club game and developed the academy. And you're starting to see that happen now with all these youngsters coming through for Italy now. Um, and, and I think that's where Italy, uh, Zebri, Benetton, Italy as a whole will work. And I think that's where they point to, uh, anytime you ask about Leinster, they point in the direction of their youth setup and how they work within the local community. Um, and, and they've got three or four really good private schools around around Dublin who are, uh, who basically that's all they play is rugby. Um, and rugby is the, is the, is the, is the sport in Ireland as such so you know that's that's kind of how it seems to work if, if you've got if you have young players coming through a good academy it will eventually get to a point where you you're doing very very well so is the fact that Leinster is basically on top basically every single year is that a testament to just how great their organization is or is it the IRFU wants things to be that way? Like they, they've got four teams in this league. Connacht is always on the bottom and Leinster's always on the top. And I feel like Munster and Ulster kind of flip-flop each year, depending yeah. on how many, you know, cards Peter Omani gets that year. Um, yeah. <laughs> Captain Cheap Shot. I'm yeah. very glad I'm a, there's a whole ocean between us so he doesn't hear me saying this, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd survive a Cheap Shot from Peter Omani. But uh I mean, is the IRFU happy with that? Are they like, yeah, well, you know, down, down in Galway, it's not as big a deal, so we're happy for them to always be on the bottom. Or do they even think about it in those terms? I, I, I think if you speak to someone within the, the, the IRU uh, and say, uh, you know, and ask them that question, they'll point to Ulster and Munster um, and how they're growing and how they're getting better and and how, you know, you, Leinster are... are, are you know, are a product of the way the way they they um, you know the way they work with the community, the way they have their coaches, etc. Because if you look at Ulster, for example, Ulster's really taken a big jump because they brought in a fantastic coach in Dan McFarland, mm. um, and they they they've 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 paid good money for certain players in certain places. And they 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 work very very well. They as they're a proper a proper team, as I would say. Dwayne Vermeulen was the signing this year, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Marcel Marcel Kutsia, but the, before him. Um, and if you look, they 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 use maybe you know they've got a fairly tight squad. If you look at the team sheet week in week out, it doesn't change hugely. Um, they've got rotation, but it's but you know the players that are coming on, you know the players that are there. So those those three teams, Connaught are the same, Munster, fairly similar. Leinster seem to just have this that they seem to be in this little world of their own, this mm. this event Avengers uh universe that <laughs> they can that they that they bring out their, their, their new set of clones 
um, and, yeah. and, and they, they play exactly the same. It, it, it'll be interesting um, to see. Somebody use the Infinity Gauntlet, or whatever we call it. Yeah, and yeah, Lester yeah. would be fine. They would be yeah, exactly the uh, same. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I think it doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't stop them. It doesn't it doesn't hold them back that they are from Dublin and the and the Irish rugby are in Dublin and they have these four or five big colleges around mm. them that play that are high level rugby colleges. Um, so I don't think I think that's probably where you're you're seeing the big difference with with Leinster. Uh, their player pool is is quite massive. Um, but I, I would say what they have to be very careful of is the, especially the the high ups of the um, of of the of Irish rugby have to be very very careful is is um, sitting back and saying we're doing the right thing here we're done we don't need to do anything else mm. we can let them crack on because you'll probably find that that life will overtake them very very quickly and and and, and other teams will overtake them very very quickly. Well, you you've just reminded me of something I've been meaning to ask too, which is. How big is college rugby? Are, are as many people going to college rugby matches as they are going to professional rugby matches? Or, you know, of course, the NFL is king here, yeah. but there are some states that don't have a professional football team. And in those states, almost always college football just reigns. And I think yeah. it's, a, I read once in, in Alabama when the Crimson Tide play, the stadium becomes the second most populous city in the state. Yeah. Okay. What I mean, what, what kind of eyes are on college rugby? Not a lot, to be perfectly honest. It's not um, the, the we have certain. It's the parents and the families. Yeah, yeah, and we have certain universities in in Scotland. There's there's not a huge amount. Um, Edinburgh Uni do a huge. They they play in in the, the sort of the university league, um, but they play all over the UK. Um, they don't. It's not. It's not a Scottish thing. It's. It's. They'll. They'll go and play Durham. They'll go and play um, Hartbury. They'll go and play. You know, lots of different um, uh, universities all over. All over the UK. They. 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 They have a league set up, and then they go to a like a, a cup at the end. Okay. Um, St Andrews Uni seem to be doing quite well with their rugby program. Um, we, for example, Glasgow Uni, um, we were the, the, the women's team we played in, a, in our, they played in our league. So they weren't in us, they weren't in the sort of the, the, the university leagues, they played in the actual national leagues. So they've got that oh. option to do to either or. But when it comes to answering your question about, about um, spectators, no, it's a very, very, it's just, it's just like club rugby, really. Interesting. So, because here you'll, you'll every now and then you'll pass by a house and it'll be like Oklahoma State University and there'll be a flag and a tarp and all this decoration and stuff. And it's like, okay, this is a family that only cares about college football and this is their thing. Oh, by the way, you mentioned St. Andrews. One of my best friends, he did a semester abroad and he, he went to St. Andrews and uh, Scotland was where he got interested in golf. And mm. he, got, he got onto the course at St. Andrews just by pretending, just by pretending he was supposed to be there. He and his friend just kind of got dressed and uh, went out there and were like, yep. And they ended up playing 18 holes at St. Andrews. Well, it's, uh, it's funny that, well, St. Andrews is only uh, six miles from my house. So uh, we know St. Andrews very, very well. And, uh, um, and I, I'll maybe have a conversation with you further down, you know, uh, 
not in the pod about um, my father's links to St Andrew's Golf, but um, yeah, oh, we uh, links we, to the links, links to the links. Um, but yeah, it's 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 with it being an open course, you can usually uh, you know I've had many times uh, our dogs are because you can walk along the beach just beside St, oh. the St Andrew's Golf Course, and my dogs have been on many a green looking for balls and they end up coming back with golf balls in their mouths and stuff like that and uh, you know it's it's quite open um you know so St Andrews is a beautiful place but it's definitely um uh let's just say that uh, most of the people who are wearing tartan in St Andrews don't live in St Andrews <laughs> <laughs> well so we've got these final rounds. Um, I, I, the the URC website is very difficult to parse. Sometimes um, it's it, it's like a, a tiny little microcosm of the league itself in some ways. Um, so the the South African teams that are nipping at the heels of the Scottish teams have five more games, and two Scottish teams have four left. Um, where do you think it's all going to shake out? And we've been talking about Leinster. Is it all just a battle to see who loses to Leinster in the end? Yeah, I think I think we're going to be in a situation where Ulster and Leinster are going to be playing for the playing for the um, the you know we obviously go to semi-finals and uh, you know we we, we go to the sort of a playoff situation within right. within the URC um, and the battle at the moment is getting a home semi-final um, mm. and so if we can have a home semi-final, I think. Do you think your team if, can get there? Um, yeah, I, I, I do believe um, with the run that we have now, the, what's left, the only real bump in the road for us, I think, is going to be Ulster. Mm. Um, and and you never I know which Ulster is going to show up, though. They're a little, they're a little finicky or uh, you know, schizophrenic this year. Yeah, very much so, and they, they don't travel as well as you as you expect them to. Right. Um, and and I think if we can put out. You know, if we can go out with uh, on full noise like we are this weekend um, down in uh, down in uh, South Africa, um, if we can go full noise for the last the last four games, um, there's a good chance that we can we can we can get to a, a semi final and hopefully have a home semi final. I feel like that three game end of the season all at home. That means you don't have to go anywhere in between. Everything's going to be comfortable and in your own zone. I feel like that's a huge advantage over Glasgow right now. Yeah, it really is, and also, you know, the, the, one of the one of the biggest things with Edinburgh Rugby right at this moment in time is the Dam Health Stadium. Mm. Um, we we have really the the club, the team, and the fans have really made it a a, a fortress for us. So, um, I, I really believe that we have the opportunity to turn over, for example, Ulster, because we've got the noise there. We may not have fifteen thousand like the the Kingspan does. Um, uh, in Belfast, but you know, if we can get seven and a half thousand into the damn health um, for those last games, we we can really lift a team, and and, and you can actually see it. Um, the team are under the cost of defending, and the, the 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 crowd build, and you can see the chests of the guys coming out and saying, "Right, well, wow. I'm not letting anyone score. Mm. This is home," you know, because because Edinburgh has had so long playing in crap crappy places um bad stadiums or then murrayfield or, or at least cavernous places where they've cavernous to be. yeah absolutely um so really for us um it's going to be an exciting finish to the season i'm really looking forward to it i think they have a good shot um th- i mean those three those top three irish teams though that 
I, it's really hard to see anyone getting past them if for no other reason than they're not just winning. They're putting up 50 week after week after week. Munster in particular, I mean, I might be remembering wrong, but I feel like they put up 159, 160 points in the last three weeks. It's unbelievable what they're able to do right now. Yeah, um, they, 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 they have done well. Um, Munster... Munster have lost away a little bit. I don't think Van Gran has uh, has really um, uh, produced the most exciting Munster rugby, and the, mm. especially that the fans are used to. But um, I think the the more exciting rugby that you're seeing in Ireland is definitely Ulster, um, and there that's I guess why you're thinking that they're blowing hot and cold um, because they they are quite an exciting um, brand of rugby that Dan McFarlane is is, is allowing them to play. So. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think Munster are Munster, and they'll 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 grind you down. And if they get a chance to bully you and score fifty points, they will take it if they can. Um, but I would I would like to play them at home. Mm. Um, I, I'd like to play them at the damn health and see how we get on with them because it would be interesting to see. But I'm I'm excited about the Ulster game. That will be really really exciting. That one's going to mean a whole lot. Out of these last four matches, that's the one that's going to. I think point the arrow where it's actually going to be at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we also have the um, the European Challenge Cup as well that we've we, we, we've got to finish that off as well. So that competition is so fun and so densely inexplicable. <laughs> it's like okay, well now we're moving to the round of sixteen and this side, but that side's just doing this round. And and if you guys win, then you'll come back over here and you'll go over there, like. You need a Rosetta Stone to understand the competition. Yeah, very much so. Um, all I know is that we've got Poe coming to us next next weekend, and uh, we're going to go down and watch that and see how that see Are how you? that works. Are you going to go see in person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, just, that's uh, so I'm, cool. I'm, I'm only an hour away, and uh, and you know, with having the season tickets, well, I, I get told kicked in the back of the leg by the missus saying, well, if you buy season tickets, you better be using them. So uh, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be down to watch the game. And uh, and, and it'll be a nice. It's, it's great. To, that's where the, the South African games, and that's why I was a bit disappointed when we played South African teams at home because the Springboks were still playing. We didn't get to see these strong right. South African teams coming to the damn health. So that's where I was a little bit disappointed with that because I wanted to see... The Khaleesi's. I wanted yeah. to see the. You want to see Justin Colby out there doing his thing? Absolutely. You know, I wanted to see uh, Detroit um, um, uh, and, uh, and all these players playing. So we never got the real, the, the, the real. Uh, Stephen Kitsoff is my guy. He's the one oh. I, want to, I, I really yeah, yeah. want to see. And also Ox Nietzsche. The, um, uh, the, the the ginger fire hydrant, I call him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. These are the these are the players that you that you want to see. Uh, live and unfortunately we weren't we didn't get the chance to see them so uh even kids up aka scary weasley yeah yeah <laughs> it's the most uh, we i have a laugh with john anderson because i think he is he's the only south african that actually looks like he would fit in in pollock shields in glasgow you know <laughs> <laughs> he's one of few the few humans who has more freckles than my mom absolutely <laughs> i wouldn't know i don't know i don't <laughs> Um, well, the URC is going to wrap up. The, the, yes, and it's funny you mentioned it too because the, the the Heineken Cup and the Challenge Cup come back next weekend. It, it's like right when you get into it, it goes away for such a long time that you forget about it, and then you're like, "Oh crap, it's back!" So 
But I always love it. I like the fact that they use different kits. They, you see these weird uniforms that you never see. And you just get matchups you just never, ever see. And as I've said, since I can't watch the top 14, this is my only chance to see Toulouse and, and Stade Francais and, you know, and Racing and these, these teams. It's, it's always just so much fun. I love that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. The, the only issue you, you have is when you can see which French teams have decided that the top 14 is their priority. Yeah, um, and they put weak sides out in the European Cup, and then you see the other teams like you know Toulouse and Racing, who are de- well, Racing especially, who are desperate to win it. They they really yep. want, so they they go full noise. Um, so it's 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 really quite exciting to see. Um, and, and for example, you get upsets. For example, I, I, I don't blame you know, them for that either. The, the, you know, if you know, especially once you know you're sort of out of competition in those cup challenges, why would you risk injury and risk your best players? Absolutely, yeah. Especially because the top fourteen is incredibly hard on players. Yeah, you know they play a lot of games, and the, the, you know you look at Finn Russell. You know, in, in the in the down weeks between um, in, in the what the, the the rest weeks in the Six Nations, he's flying back to France to play. Yeah, you know, and he's playing in the, in those rest weeks, whereas other uh, Scotland players are, you know, other Scotland players aren't. They're sitting at home and resting, you know. So uh, his so dad must kind of... hate having to drive to France to bring him back home, too. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, you know, with Finn, it's uh, it, it's every time he comes over, he gets he's. I don't know if he's got friends or a personal sponsor. It's usually a Rolls Royce or an Aston Martin. He gets to run around and so. Is that right? Sure he's, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure oh. his dad. Uh, I'm sure his dad um, will quite happily say, I'll, "I'll, I'll come pick you up, son, as long as I get your keys." <laughs> Martin, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, well, once again, I've really appreciated your time. I'm, I should let you go. Um, Give me your predictions for how the URC ends this year. Who's who's in the final and who's going to be our champion? I'd love to see Edinburgh going to be the champion. Um, I believe we've got as much a chance as many other teams within the within the, the URC. But I, you're going to you're going to find it's going to be an Ulster um, Leinster uh, final. I think. Here's a weird one for you. So the Super Bowl is. Usually, so, you know, cities bid to have the Super Bowl, so they they decide that way ahead of time. It's incredibly rare that the city either has a team that is in the Super Bowl or, and sometimes that even has a team sometimes. This year was really weird that it, you know, it worked out that it was in LA for a team that's moved back to LA. If the URC final was at a neutral venue, would that change things a little bit? Like, um, would that sort of take the edge off of the huge advantage that Leinster generally have because they're always playing at home? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not, it's an, you know, well, we had, for example, you know, Glasgow were in the final, what, three years ago, and we had mm-hmm. it at um, Celtic Park in, in Glasgow. Um, and unfortunately, again, they, unfortunately, they were beaten um, by Leinster. Um, but it, I, was, I was watching. So, yeah, so I'm not entirely sure. It, it, you know, even if they go to a more hostile town, um, <laughs> uh, they, they 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 still win. Um, so I'm not entirely sure. Within Leinster, it's a it's a huge problem. But I think for for other teams within the URC, um, having a URC, you know, just having a saying right. Well, the final for the URC is in it's in Scotland one year, it's in Italy one year, mm. um, it's in Wales one year, it's in South Africa one year, and it's going to be, be in, cool. it's in Ireland. That would be a better way to finish it because, okay, fair enough, you might end up with a South African team playing in South Africa um, uh, in the final, but we're doing that anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, and 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 we are 
a little bit fed up of having to go to the Aviva yeah. and watch the watch the, the final all the time or or you know it's a beautiful stadium but it's not enough already. Yeah, exactly. Um so so it'll be interesting. I don't know where the final is actually due to be played um, this year, but uh um I think uh anything that 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 increases the 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 visibility and increases the um the the sort of the noise around the URC final, I'm happy mm. to I'm happy to go with you. Know. Uh, so which leads me to my final question too. Um season's obviously not over yet, as we as we've been discussing at length, but uh this was the first iteration of this new URC, the used to be Pro 12, used to be Pro 14, all these mm. other things. Um, people, before the season started, people said, oh, this, this could be really bad because the South African teams might come in and completely dominate. And then they didn't look good at the start. And then there was the absolute farce with, you know, when Omicron came mm. out and the, the reaction to that was so poorly handled. And it's really hamstrung teams like Cardiff in particular, I can think of. Um, but you know, a couple months from now, how are you going to think back on the inaugural season of the URC? Was it a success? Um, do you like it? Are you looking forward to it coming back with less inconsistency next year? Um, do you wish things were back the way they were previously? But what's your overall take on the success of the URC? Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's been a good year, um, even with the issues that we've had. Um, I think we've seen some some good rugby. Um, uh, it's it's much of a muchness, you know. We're 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 going to see probably an Irish team as the as 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 the winners. Um, but I think it's been interesting with the introduction of the South African teams, um, or the better South African teams, because obviously we we have right. had um, we have had the Kings and the Cheetahs, etc. And and and. Uh, in the URC or the Pro yeah, I think Southern Kings are defunct now entirely. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's interesting. I I think we got. I think all of us. I think the especially the Welsh teams, and um, you know Edinburgh last weekend got a, a bit of a taste of the South African teams mm. and how strong they're actually going to be. Um, I think the scoreline that Edinburgh. You know the, the the win that Edinburgh got. The scoreline betrayed a little bit of how strong the South Africa the CLT mm. Sharks were actually. Yeah. Um, if you watch that game, they were incredibly strong at the breakdown. Their their scrummage. Their um. They were they really were quite outstanding. They just couldn't finish. It seems like there's um, a lot of depth there too. It it does seem yeah. like they have they always have two two squads available for every match too. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested about the Edinburgh game this weekend. It'll be, it'll, you know, we've gone full noise. We've got everybody back, um, and um, and the Lions are an interesting team to take on. So we'll we'll, we'll definitely get a good. We'll, we'll get to see how that works, and then we'll see how Glasgow get on against Edinburgh. Lions are underperforming compared to the, the other three South African teams, but they're definitely on the ascendancy. I've seen some really good things out of them the last few weeks. They are not to be taken lightly, I would think. Yeah, that's true. But also, if you look, if you if you look at the the Welsh teams that have gone to play them, unfortunately, Welsh professional rugby, apart you know, apart from the it's uh, a mess. It's a mess, and and so I think they've they've artificially 
the results are a little bit artificial because the Welsh teams have played sure. so poorly. Yep, that's fair. Um, so Especially when they, basically some of those matches, they called me to ask if I could play. That's how low they were on actual available <laughs> <Yeah>. players. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I got my boots out and dusted them down for, for a little yep. while to see if I was going to get the call. But uh, um, no, I... I, I, I if we, I think if we could get, if we could have a season where everyone is on their game, um, Benetton, I think next season will be incredibly strong. Mm. Um, I think uh, if we can get at least Ospreys and Scarlets or Ospreys and Cardiff, you know, back up to um, back up to strength, um, I think it'll. And then we don't have any interruptions. We don't have any any games being played during uh, international. Mm. Um, international times, etc. I think we'll have a really good season next season. I think this season's been good, um, if not a little bit complicated and a little bit hard to follow. But yeah, actually, I think we've seen such a good, a good, we've seen such a good run that um, with all of the issues that are, that have been going on, that if we can have a, if we can have a season with no issues and and and, and some good games, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes. If if the the organization of the URC itself, you know, so it's unlikely that this would happen this year. Very unlikely. But if next year, the top four teams in the URC are the four South African teams, and you know, the semifinals are between two South African teams, and the finals are between two South African teams, was that a mistake for them? Would they regret this decision to add these teams, or uh, or does it enhance the brand? Um, it would be pretty weird for people living in Europe, right? It will be. It'll be very interesting. Uh, coming from a coming from um, a country that usually we're watching the finals happen elsewhere normally, anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, it doesn't make much of a difference to myself. Um, mm. Although I, I truly feel that um, that if Edinburgh can get it right, we'll be we'll be we'll have a very good chance of a final next year. Um, but I think you'll probably see that if, if we do have a strong South African season next season, you'll probably find it will be an Irish team and a, and a, and a, and a South African team in the final. That's a great um, point. Yeah, even if they're as good as they could be, Leinster is still Leinster. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, if, even if Leinster have a bad season, um, you'll have an Ulster or you'll have a Munster. Um, around there um, and if we have an, ex- an outstanding season you might see an Edinburgh um, an Edinburgh and a South African team or an Edinburgh and an Irish team in the final we'll wait and see So if you were a betting man who is the next player who's going to get cheap shotted by Peter Mahoney in the next few weeks? <laughs> to, I'm trying to think who uh, who, um, uh, who Munster are playing um, but uh, could, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't have to be a player no, absolutely. He probably just he just you know get the get the ferry over in his car and just you know have a crack at you when you're walking out the supermarket. Um, but uh, you know Blair Kinghorn's probably on his radar because you know he's he's the he's the one that everyone's talking about at the moment. So no. you can just see Blair Kinghorn get coming get get in his loud. car. Yeah, <laughs> and, he's, and Pio Manny doing a doing a, a Tonya Harding and hitting him with a, a a four by two or a piece of metal, you know. <laughs> Peter Romani is the Tonya Harding of the rugby world. He is the Tonya Harding of the rugby world. <laughs> or the Jeff Galuli, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, uh, 
Craig, as always, so much fun to talk to you. I, I really value your insight and your time and everything else. Um, wish me luck tomorrow. It is our second home game of the year for the Free Jacks, who are now leading the Major League Rugby table. Most points, best record, only one loss. And we have uh, seven more home games to go. We only have to play, uh, I think, two more on the road after this. Pretty pretty remarkable. And it's going to be a nice day tomorrow, too, unlike uh, last Yeah, time. I was going to say, the weather's just going to get better and better as well, you know? So, yeah. I, well, good luck with the uh, good luck to the Free Jacks. Uh, I'm sure uh, Old Glory are going to come and try and, uh, at some point, try and um, get a little bit better, hopefully, because they've, you know, the SRU they, have invested They're the Zebra of MLR, for sure. They really are. They really are. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go this uh, this weekend. But no, I, good luck to the Free Jacks and uh, hopefully um, Edinburgh are going to do well. And I, I think Glasgow will do well and, uh, you know, we'll see how we go. And obviously Scotland women against Wales will be, it's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, this That's going to be a lot more fun to watch for somebody like me than it was to watch us against England for sure. Yeah, yeah. You'll see a strong, you'll see a really strong, you've got two strong teams there. Yeah. Um, and well, I, I'm hoping we're going to see two strong teams there. I don't mm-hmm. want to be in a situation where we where Wales take control of the match. So um, I really do think it's uh, it's, it's Scotland's game to lose um, uh, tomorrow. So fingers crossed, we're going to have a good weekend of rugby. Well, it's it's so nice to the uh, MLR has figured out a lot of stuff this year, and one of the things is really enhance that sort of festival atmosphere. So it's not just I show up and there's a game and then I leave. Like if yep. they're trying to make it an all day thing, they're trying to put the games like in the mid afternoon so you can be there before, you can be there after. And tomorrow they're doing a collegiate um, qualifying tournaments for sevens. So it, something at like nine in the morning, all the way to 4.30 in the afternoon when the Free Jacks actually play, it's gonna be match after match after match of these uh, different colleges playing their sevens teams. What a great atmosphere it's gonna be. It's gonna be so much fun. Oh, sounds fantastic! Um, it's uh, seven seasons is, uh, is is well upon us, and we've got the Melrose Sevens coming up as well over here, um, which is a, a real um, uh, a big event for Scottish rugby. Um, so, we're, we're what is the Melrose Sevens? The Melrose Sevens. Well, Melrose is where Sevens was invented. Um, really? And yeah, and uh, Melrose um, they they hold an annual Sevens tournament that um, uh, you get a mixture of professional clubs entering a sevens team um, along with uh, um, uh, invitational teams that have either old or or current professional players pop up wow um, and uh, and and so and also universities local clubs for example at Howard Fife we were, were in a set we won the, the league at set at one point and we got an invite there so we got to go down and and play at Melrose Sevens and basically you go they've now got the train goes to Mel uh, goes to Gala Shields which is just outside Melrose you can get the train there but usually it was a bus down and it's a drinking session all day and you get <laughs> all these matches it starts again at, at nine o'clock in the morning and you get all these matches all the way through seven seven minutes um, a minute break and then seven minutes again and um, you get to see some real professional, you know, some some phenomenal rugby pl- played down at Melrose. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the original Melrose. That's the original sevens tournament that uh, everything started from. Um, that is so, so cool. There's a Boston-based sevens tournament that it happens annually, <laughs> and it's I mean obviously it's much smaller scale, I guess, but it sounds similar where you have some teams who show up and they have 
professional looking, you know, kits that are fitted and have their names on them. And then other people who have spray painted their names on a t-shirt and they're yep. lucky if they all get the same color t-shirts on and stuff. And I got to go once and it, it was so, it was so great because, you know, just to see it at that level. Also, you know, when you were talking about your coaching, so my, my wife teaches high school and one of her kids graduated a couple of years ago and she now goes to Wellesley College. And while she's at Wellesley, she discovered rugby and she became part of the Wellesley 15s who are, like you kind of mentioned, they're sort of at this developmental stage where um, you get sort of test matches where it's like, well, we're going to put you against this team that we know how good they are. And depending on how you do, we talk about where we can maybe bring you up into another tier and stuff like that. But it's still very much a you sign up and you play kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the best rugby games I've ever seen in my life. We went to go see them. The The team they were playing ended up being, like you said, it's like two schools who were nearby, couldn't field 15s, but together you could get 15s. So yeah. they became a, a, a dual squad. It was just such a great day. Just being there down on the pitch, hearing the level of camaraderie, hearing the, the encouragement, the way everyone's supporting each other. Whenever somebody took a big hit, immediately it's like, oh, are you okay? Uh, you know, that it's very serious until it, it's personal. And, oh, it was just the best. Uh, it, rugby at the grassroots level has got to be the best sport to go see. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very lucky. That I guess we maybe we get a little bit blasé about it because it's 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 part of the, the makeup of us nowadays. And, and we've been playing, you know, since since we've been playing rugby for a very long time. But, uh, you know, you watch, you know, our, we've been very lucky. Our under-18s have got through to the final of the... Um, of uh, of the second tier of the of the cup, um, and you see the joy in the you you see the joy in the guys' faces. They 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 played the best they've ever played this season, and you see them coming coming off the field absolutely over the moon, being getting a chance to play in a final. Um, it's just fantastic. And then, for example, this weekend we're going through to Stirling tomorrow for um, the the first sevens tournament of uh, of the um, of the season. Oh wow! And, um, and that's, so it, that's, be... that's in Finn's backyard, is it? Yeah, it is Stirling County. Um, so <laughs> uh, we get to go down to Ridgefoch and um, and uh, and be there, and the under 18s are all coming together. And they'll, 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 my son's first sevens tournament, he was uh, you know a big a big lanky. Um, uh, second row, and uh, he performed quite well at training, so he's getting to go at this go and play oh, sevens this wow. weekend. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes because he came off and absolutely knackered. So, uh, saying, I, I don't know if I like sevens, and I said, Well, you're a better man than I am because I, I hate I played once in a tournament of sevens, and that was it, I was done, you know. So, uh, <laughs> it's all running all the time, all running. <laughs> well, my, my son has finally, uh, become a fan of rugby and, and by that i mean he takes my rugby world cup rep, replica ball and uses it as his footrest while he's eating so oh, baby steps yeah, baby steps absolutely <laughs> craig you are the best thank you so much for joining me here on the scrum of the earth it's always a pleasure uh thank you for taking the time i hope you have a lovely night a lovely weekend and uh i'll be rooting for your team this weekend I really appreciate it. Thanks for the invite again. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm sorry I go on quite a lot and talk a talk a hell of a lot and don't uh, you know. But I um, not at uh, all. I, I count on it. It saves me a lot of scripting. Yeah, well, it's great. It's great to take part and be part of the uh, the scum of the earth. I really appreciate it. I will talk to you very soon, my friend. Have a lovely weekend, and I hope your family has a great time. You too.
Well, my friends, that does it for another great bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's always such a great time to talk to Craig. Thank you so much for listening and for reaching out. It's always great to hear from you. As always, if you would like to get in touch, you can simply use Twitter. I am at of Scrum. You can find me at the Scrum of the Earth podcast on Instagram. You can always email me via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. And if you can bring yourself to drop me a nice review, that would please me to no end. If you like what we're doing here, there are at least one way, uh, there is at least one way you can show your support listed in the show notes for this episode. So thanks again for all of you for coming along, all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon and be well. It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, it does, neat. <laughs>